Welcome to the Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast on the IB Sports Podcast feed, an early morning edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast feed, which is a little different for both me and Ron L. Uh, but I am your host, Keith Fleming. With me, as always, is Ron L. Tinsley. Ron L., how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Keith. How are you doing this morning, brother? Man, not bad at all. Uh, do want to apologize to our listeners for not getting a podcast out this week. We uh, just had a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we are going to be doing a little bit different uh, podcast today where we're going to go over just kind of everything that's happened in the last week. We definitely want to spend a good bit of time on the Double or Nothing pay-per-view from AEW, which I know we both really enjoyed. But before we officially start the podcast, I want to remind everyone that the IB Sports podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to be or please be sure to subscribe to be notified of all new podcasts from the IB Network. We'd also appreciate if you would rate and review this network. Finally, you can follow IB Sports on Twitter, Instagram, or join the Facebook group that recently hit 4,000 members. The Facebook group has a premium membership that allows you to post without it being approved by an admin. You can be commissioner for the day or receive free gambling picks and much, much more. One of those free gambling picks this week was. Actually, for me, not Alan, as I told you, uh, you know, we have the podcast, the backdoor cover that Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning was an absolute lock at minus 200. And that hit. So uh, I'm rarely right about that kind of stuff. Ron L. Uh, Alan is. So it feels good to be on the uh, right side of one. Um, yes, sir. Absolutely. Did you uh, before we get into it, did you enjoy the AEW double or nothing pay-per-view overall? Overall, absolutely. I was completely thrilled. Um, even though uh, some of the uh, outcomes weren't exactly as I thought or desired, I thought it was a definitely well done pay-per-view. I was excited for every single match. And the ones that we're going to discuss, people may be a little surprised at the ones that we find were really uh, the better matches of this pay-per-view. Absolutely. And just to let everybody know, because we still got to go over to some WWE stuff and we are trying to keep these, you know, at least within a, under an hour, we're not going over every match. I'm just going to kind of run through these and obviously let's take it whatever direction we want to go. The uh, best friends defeated private party that actually opened the pay-per-view. I thought it was a pretty good match. Uh, they are now the number one contender for the tag team title. So I guess that means somewhere down the line, they're going to be, you know, facing hangman and Kenny Omega do you think that was the right call? I do think so. Um, you know, we had just discussed uh, the best friends recently and whether or not uh, the popularity of Orange Cassidy had anything to do with their rise. But no, th these guys have been putting in some decent work. And, you know, this is a pretty deep tag team division. And we, I feel that they should keep having uh, different contenders keep coming and vying. Now, if we can just get ourselves uh, an actual tag team title match sometime soon, that would be fantastic. But, yeah, I think it was a good call. You, you read my mind. I, I think it was the right call, first of all, because they've kind of built the storyline up now for it feels like a few weeks, if not a few months, that the best friends have been making this charge. We talked about Orange Cassidy is arguably the most over guy in the company. It's not going to hurt when he's their manager, de facto third person. And more importantly, like I love the Kenny Omega hangman story. I'm assuming it's going to end up being something really good at the end. Cause I mean, we have to assume they're going to turn on each other, probably hangman turning on Omega, but I'm with you. They have so many great tag teams and to not have a tag team title match for this long it's insane. It's kind of like what they were doing with the women's title and the women's division up until just recently. Yeah, totally. And, you know, let's get some action on that. And besides, you know, um, even with their dynamic hangman and Kenny Omega together in the ring, they are phenomenal to watch. Absolutely. Um, the next match was really interesting. So the casino ladder match, which I was kind of, I did not hear at least in the buildup exactly how this was going to be ran. Mm -hmm. The winner gets a future title shot. So it, it was basically a mixture of the money in the bank and the Royal Rumble where it's a ladder match with a poker chip, but for all intents and purposes, a briefcase with a title opportunity. But then it starts with two people, and then every two minutes, 
a new competitor comes in. Before we get into the results, do you think they'll ever do this gimmick where somebody wins before all the participants are in? Um, if they give this enough time to continue the build, yeah, I could see if that they do that. There was what nine men that was a, a grand total yep. in this match. So if they continue to use this, I think it would be uh, a decent gimmick if you know you give us maybe six guys who can uh, viably be a contender for the title. And, and, you know, we as the fans be good with it. And, yeah, let it happen sometime, you know, halfway when the competitors get out. But I think they need to allow this to, uh, to get some growth in it first before they can try to throw some funky stuff in there like that. The only way, reason I say that is if not, I think it's a stupid premise. Because <clears> it's like what the point of having, you know, a guy come in every two minutes if it's always going to end up with all nine guys in the ring. And then you have your winner. Yeah, I can agree with that logic. Okay. So the big news coming out of this, and spoiler, because we're going to go right to the winner. The winner and debuting guy, who I believe you talked about a month ago on the show, was Brian Cage with Taz. He came in in the ninth (laughs) entrant position, which was no surprise. Before that, Darby Allen actually came in like a house of fire, did a crazy spot off the top of like mm. a 30 foot ladder with a skateboard. Were you worried he was really hurt when he first started feigning for his day? Second, I really was. He sold that extreme. So he had a, a good moment. Orange Cassidy had several good moments, including he was one of the few people that kind of slowed down uh, Brian Cage's momentum one-on-one. Uh, obviously, Luchasaurus played a big uh, factor in it uh, about I don't know, five minutes after Cage had been in and was dominating, the guys decided, we see this in the Rumble every year, to, you know, gang up on him. They covered him up. Well, eventually he would get back up and then from there, again, just dominate, including over Luchasaurus. He would grab the chip. I thought it was really interesting at the end the way they had, you know, Taz come back down to the ring, uh, tell him to take Darby Allen out when it looked like he already had the poker chip kind of won. Uh, As we remember, we talked about how Taz had been trying to get Darby Allen to, you know, heed his advice. Darby turned that down. So he turned to the debuting Brian Cage. How excited are you to see Brian Cage in AEW with Taz? And how long do you think it is before he's champion? Because he now has a title opportunity. Well, when he came out and with Taz, I was in like – of course, we don't get the pop pop. The pop inside of me absolutely happened because it was like, holy cow, my mind went running wild with which way they can run with this guy. And I hope that they uh, slow play this <laughs> um, so that uh, they do allow him to, you know, kind of build his story. Um, it looks like it would be great for him to start off feuding with Darby Allen. He doesn't necessarily have to come immediately at the title. Totally excited for where the story is going to go with this gentleman, though. And I'm not going to lie. I don't know a lot about him. I know he came from You're TNA, right, right? Where, yeah. where he was the champion. Uh, but he looked tremendous in this match. Uh, and I have to say, like, all of a sudden, you know, something that we questioned is, you know, AEW didn't really have a heavyweight decision, uh, you know, division. They got Luchasaurus. They got Brian Cage. They got Brody Lee. They got, you know, Jack Hager. All of a sudden, they got a, you know, a Wardlow. formidable, yeah, Wardlow, thank you, Wardlow, a pretty, you know, big group of big dudes, which is only going to help build their other stars who are smaller because you can put them in more of the Daniel Bryan, Sam Punk roles. Yes, exactly. And this is, yeah, it's really an exciting time. This was such an exciting pay-per-view. Oh, my God. This was a – I got to give him credit. I, di- I didn't love the two-minute thing. I just – to me, hmm. again, it will, will, I'll, I'll you know save it to there's been five or six of them and see if one of them ends early. If not, I just don't understand that gimmick. But I thought it was a very smart match to have on this card. It, it utilized a lot of guys that otherwise probably wouldn't have been on the card. And it was a great match. I mean, it was fun. Uh, the next match was, in my opinion, the, the match of the night. Like, not even close – uh, I keep saying this, so 
you know, I apologize if it's recency bias, but it was my favorite match since we've gone to, I know they technically have a small crowd that are employees, but you know, the crowdless crowds at, at, at either AEW, WWE, and that was the MJF versus Jungle Boy. MJF would pick up the W, but both guys proved to everyone why AEW is so high on both, which I will admit for Jungle Boy more than MJF, I did not completely see it until watching this match. I mean, were you just blown away by both of the performances? Totally. Uh, like you, um, I heard of how much, how high they were on uh, Jack Perry, and I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, Jungle Boy, okay, cool. And, you know, he even has a little group and so on. I, I wasn't really all that certain. But, you know, of course, with his um, dad being who he is and, you know, his untimely death last year, it did kind of draw me to him a little just to kind of look. But I, I had been waiting to see glimmers until this pay-per-view. Jungle Boy, I mean, both of these gentlemen put on a phenomenal match. I was so intrigued. They kept it going. And Jungle Boy showed he is a tough young man with the way they went. But uh, it was a great a great story that they told in there. MJF, oh, man. Now I, I, it really showed to me why that why you're so high on him. He was fantastic and he continued to play uh push his role uh, in a great way i i thought that it was great that jim raw said you know jungle boy is 22 years old that's so hard to believe but let's not forget mjf is 24 so it's like these Baby. two guys are not going anywhere they're not going anywhere uh they're just getting started go ahead no i was just saying they're babies and they're both great exactly. already they're going to get bigger, which is great. Uh, and, and just to talk about MJF, I've never seen somebody, or at least not in a long time, a heel that truly gets it the way he does. Mm -hmm. I mean, just everything from coming to the ring saying, I'm just better than you. Uh, I love the way that they were having, uh, you know, the way he got the upper hand early in the fight where he, he, he feigned an injury, took <laughs> yeah. advantage of it to immediately pounce on him. And then late in the match, which it needs to be said, Jungle Boy deserves a lot of credit for really selling the arm injury. I love how MJF is the old school heel that he's going to attack a body part and he's just going to attack, attack, attack. And it becomes more and more believable that they can win the match without just cheating, which is, is brilliant. And then, but he still cheats. And that's what I love about it. It was <laughs> when they were doing that amazing chop back and forth where yes. these guys are just slapping Chefs the were shit out. Burned. Oh my God. It was so bad. And then for him to, for it to be MJF's term after about 10 in a row and to go after the arm, it's just little things like that prove that he gets, and you know, I'm a dastardly heel. Like I'm going to do stuff that's going to bother people. And that helped lead to the win. I love the finish with the roll up. I just, again, I, I can't tell you, and we like some of these matches that are going to come a lot, but I just, I am so excited about both of these guys. You can tell that they're going to push them forward. And um, I mean, like literally the sky is the limit for both of these guys. Indeed. So next up, we had the end of the TV title tournament. Before we get into the match, <laughs> the belt that came out, if you did not see it, the one for the actual match that they brought out was a silver belt with a red leather strap it had the black tnt logo in the middle of it it was very plain looking uh kind of looked like the old uh tag team titles remember for raw that, <laughs> that was sort of, i mean it wasn't circular i know but you know kind of similar design it got so much crap online and we'll never know the true story if this was the plan all along or what it was but they said they claimed that the title was not finished yet it was going to be have gold added to it. I saw an updated version of it. It does look better, but I find that hard to believe that you had four months to put this together. You couldn't get it done, but then you can have it put together by the following Wednesday for tonight's AEW. Like, does that make any sense to you? No, it totally doesn't make any sense. And especially, you know, you had this coming down the pipeline. Um, you, you guys should have been in, on top of your design. And even with, uh, especially when uh, the virus hit, you should have taken your uh, precautions and done your due diligence to try to make sure that this was ready for this uh, presentation. You knew wrestling fans like us would lose our minds. 
Well, and that's one thing I want to point out. You know, I posted it on the Facebook group that, you know, we can be sometimes called AEW homers because we really enjoy the product. But I do think there's a certain bias to WWE because if WWE would have done something like this, like social media would have lost its mind. The wrestling community would have lost its mind. I saw a lot of people defending the belt. And I'm like, come on. It's a shitty looking belt. It's a shitty looking belt. Wait till, yeah, that, that, um, large plate i'm sorry we need some designs in there um you could tell me you couldn't think of something you know it's the tnt title so if i'm not mistaken they're still headquartered down in atlanta you couldn't put maybe in a little atlanta skyline on this on that big empty spot the side plates i was like okay you got those right the main belt is what we're looking at you, you have to get that right I think it's too big too. I would because it, it, mm. it sort of remind me of the old TV title back in NWA. Yes, sir. But it was so bulky that I think if they made it a little bit smaller and then didn't have that bright red, it would have been okay. But it just anyway, we t- we talked about the title too much. So Mike Tyson was at ringside, who apparently is gonna sign with AEW or has signed. I don't, you know, who knows what this is leading to. But he was there to present the title. He, ironically, it looked like kind of fell asleep for a, a part of the match <laughs> uh, or definitely looked tired. I don't know if he's actually asleep, but Cody Rhodes would go on to win this you know, match, being the inaugural champ. Anybody that's listening to this podcast, we've told you from the get-go, Cody Rhodes was winning this tournament. We it did. made all the sense in the world. I've been really surprised at how many people were upset and saying that Lance Archer was buried because Cody Rhodes – arguably the biggest name in the company won the tv title it's inaugural one when he can't win the world title because you've already put that storyline in place do you understand why people are set or are they just being wrestling fans and you know whining we're we're being fickle like daniel bryan said (laughs) i don't have a better word for it um you and i saw this coming a mile away and yet still didn't think that Lance Archer would be buried. And believe me, in my eyes, he was not. Those two guys put on a fantastic performance. You know, he did break out that gorgeous moonsault of his again. Yes. Uh, a lot of great uh, – there was a good mixture that Cody put in there of uh, some good technical moves and just straight brawling. So they told a fantastic story. I don't think Wardlow is buried whatsoever. It took assistance from Mike to be able to get Jake out of the way, which, you know, Jake is basically the snake now. So look over here while, you know, the, um, while Lance goes and does his thing, I thought it was well played. So I don't really know what everyone else is complaining about. Yeah, this is where it just I, – I don't understand wrestling fans because you know, this is what RC talks about all the time, and he's right. Mm. Just because it's mm. not the way you would book it does not mean it was not the right decision and it didn't have reasoning to it. We talked about it for weeks on this podcast that Cody Rhodes is going to give that title more prestige when you looked at that draw than anybody being the inaugural champion. And that's what a new championship means. It needs prestige. It needs somebody that is going to be a standard bearer, somebody to put their name next to that title. And that's what Cody's going to do. They made Lance Archer look great. Cody Rhodes has only lost, I believe, to Jericho and MJF in the time that he's been in AEW in singles. So we don't know Lance Archer. It would have been surprising if he came in and beat Cody Rhodes. Yeah, it totally would have. And I mean, if those that were watching the pay-per-view, they literally before the match built it up exactly as we said, where they talked so much about Cody, like, you know, this, this shot for the, the world championship is most likely never. So I actually still get to carry something and be a standard bearer. Like they basically told you what was going to happen. And yet you're still upset. I don't, I really don't understand. And I will say uh, that I did not like the Jake and Arn Anderson involvement in this match. That was my least favorite part of it. I understand why they're doing it because they're trying to reach out to wrestling fans that have no association with A&W. Maybe you remember, you know, the four horsemen and Arn Anderson. Maybe you remember Jake Snake from, you know, your youth or, you know, 20, 30 years ago in WWF. But I, I was not a big fan of that. I thought the two guys did not need that. And it was a great match. That was the only thing that I, if I was like nitpicking, I wish they wouldn't have done. 
I can agree with that. But I guess uh, considering that the way they did it, it was their way to uh, get Mike Tyson involved into this just ever so slightly. That would be the only thing I could think of to as to the why they did it. But I'm with you. I don't really think it was necessary in telling this story. Fair enough. Um, you know, I've been very critical about the women's division in AEW because it, it, it has not been good. It's just not. Uh, they have really kind of turned a corner in the last month. Uh, I don't know if it was ironically that because of, you know, the situation and the kind of shows that they had to put on, if they had to lean more on the women's division, but Sheeta is now your new women's champion, defeating Nyla Rose in one of the most physical women no DQ matches I've ever seen. I mean, <clears throat> it was incredible. They fought all over the arena. They literally beat the hell out of each other with giant poker chips through tables, chairs, kendo stick. you know, barriers, kendo sticks. I mean, this was a great match. But my only question is, is Sheeta the right person to build the women's division? I only say that because I think Nyla Rose was a perfect first champion. She's so big and intimidating. Second. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Second, but the, the longest reigning one. Do you think that actually no. is the right person? No, no, no. Rio won that last fall and just dropped that uh, earlier this year. I believe Rio okay. had it for three and a half, four months, if I want if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So do you think, though, that Sheeta is the right person to sort of, you know, stop Nile Rose, who, like I said, has been just dominant and be the new face of the women's division? Absolutely do. Um, we had been speaking about uh, when, when we were talking about the women's division the last few weeks. Uh, she was number one on my list, even though my favorite, Miss um, Statlander, was really who I wanted. Seeing the way it's been playing out, uh, Hikaru Shida made all the sense in the world. Um, I've, as during this run towards this match, I've actually started following her and realized uh, she's got a little celebrity to bring with her. So that made it even made even more sense to put it on her. And the really uncanny thing about this is um, when we were doing the write-up for the Wednesday show, I was highlighting how uh, the their segment before the pay-per-view happened because, you know, both Sheeta and, and Chris Statlander kind of, uh, what was it, double uh, superplexed her through a table. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, ooh, so... Does she win now? Because, you know, with the way things that usually roll up, we don't know how AEW is going to roll their stories from uh, the preview into a championship match. So it was really up in the air, but they put on a phenomenal match. I'm so happy because me being one of the biggest um, AEW women division um, naysayers saying that they needed to do more, they have really ramped it up. And I am very happy uh, for... Hikaru Shida and they still have a few great storylines to play on with the women division to keep it going yeah the only thing I will say though is I hope they continue to build up the storylines because you know this match was fantastic mm -hmm. I wasn't as invested in this match as I was some of the other on the card because there just hadn't really been a buildup other than your normal buildup where they faced each other in tag team matches. And, you know, there were small segments, but, you know, there wasn't a real build or I, that, I just wish they would I, put a little bit more involvement in it. I don't know. I won't necessarily say that's true because, you know, they have um, on both uh, TV and the pay-per-view, they have been talking very highly about the fact that uh, Hikaru has been the number one contender for the better part of the last three months. Yeah, but that's that's them. That, that shows how they didn't build it up because they had to make that a point before. You know what I'm saying? There wasn't mm, okay. A yeah, I see you. I, I see what you're saying. What happened to get there? I, I, mean, I, I get. It. I understand what you're saying. It's just like to me, that's almost like we're gonna give you the clip, the cheap way. Yeah, job exactly I get you. telling I get you. the story. And uh, you know, it just again, that this match proves they have some really talented women. I mean, the finish with her, like literally just beating Nyla in the face with a uh, kendo stick. It was brutal, man. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like, from this point baseball on, baseball bat shot. 
Exactly. <laughs> crazy. This this whole this entire pay per view, it felt like it flipped, and it almost was like you know more hardcore. Uh, to that point, John Moxley did defeat Brody Lee in a match that honestly reminded me of I was watching ECW in the mid nineties, uh, either at upstairs in my room with my buddies, downstairs at my, my buddy's house in his basement where we used to watch all the pay per views. I, I I thought of Taz Sabu, I thought of Taz versus Bam Bam, all the way to the spot where they went through the entrance ramp. <laughs> I mean, this was incredible. This is, again, a reminder of I don't know what WWE was doing with Moxley slash Ambrose. This guy gets his character. This guy gets who he is, and this guy will push the envelope. And, I mean, they beat the hell out of each other. And I know we say that about a lot of wrestling matches, but I cannot imagine how sore both of these competitors were, uh, you know, the next few days after this match. I know that some people are going to say they buried Brody by having him lose this match. I think, again, it's the exact opposite. He got elevated by being in a match like this with John Moxley. John Moxley has not lost in AEW. He is the champ. He is the man. And Brody Lee went pound, you know, for pound, toe-to-toe, whatever you want to call with him, in a great match at several points. I thought he might win. Mm. And we just talked about cages here, right? Yeah. So I think what they were doing with this is, you know, I know you don't know Brody Lee. We're throwing him into this gimmick that it could be hit or miss. And I think it's been hit so far. We've got to establish him as a real force. And by having him go toe to toe with Moxley, even in a losing effort, they did that. Do you see what I'm saying there? Or do you think that the people are saying they kind of buried him is right? No, I think we were absolutely right. Now, you and I also spoke about our trepidation as to how they're going to handle this. And, you know, neither of us actually thought that Brody was going to win this championship match. But we thought they had to play it right. They played it more right than I could have imagined at the time. I thought this was a well-played match. Brody looks since super strong and the fact that he's the leader of the largest faction in professional wrestling right now okay you know they may not be the the best strength in numbers but strength in numbers this was played totally great i don't understand what wrestling fans are upset about here you couldn't have asked for a better match and the fact that with the way it's set up brody's not going anywhere i completely agree do you think that John Moxley is going to have a really long world title reign? I don't know. I'm quite honestly, and not that I see who the threat is going to be, but I can see it him dropping it sometime before Thanksgiving. Yeah, you know, he may make it through the through the summer, and he's going to continue to take on all challengers, which will continue to build up uh, the legacy of the AEW championship, but. I don't necessarily think that it's going to be maybe like a year-long reign. See, I hope it is. I hope that it's like this pay-per-view next year when he loses it because if you have Jericho hold it for, what, a year? Close to a year, yes, sir. And then you have Moxley hold it for a year and three, four months? Well built. That's establishing a Well built. That's a a belt that is earned. Uh, The main event ended with just – I enjoyed it. I, I didn't love it as much as everybody else did. It was a stamp, the stadium stampede match. This was a sort of a mixture of the mania matches, uh, the, the boneyard and the firefly where it was both a lot of wrestling, but it was also some silly, you could tell, you know, stuff that they shot several times. You had the inner circle and in football uniforms taking on the elite. Well, the elite minus a late arriving hangman page who showed up on a horse. Ironically, Uh, that was, that was great. They, they fought all over the arena. The ending was a really crazy spot. And I just want to say real quick before we go any further than this, Sammy Guerrero, do not hurt yourself, bro. Like he is so like obsessed with selling. He's going to kill himself. You're the future kid. So, but I mean, it it was a really cool spot. Sammy took the pin. The elite would get the victory. You can take this in any way you want to, but what did you think of this match overall? 
I, um, like many, was very high on this match. I'm not like super high, but you know, I was talking with um, one of our members, Ronak, about it, and I put it definitely above uh, the Boneyard match. And considering that, uh, considering the style of what the Firefly Funhouse was, it was more story oriented rather than action oriented. I almost even wager that that was better than that it's only the story that makes the firefly funhouse better i thought this was completely well done the spots were incredible sammy like you said please uh i hope you're taking all the proper precautions i mean we can tell that you're a gym rat and i hope that helps take care of your body wow what a story um i was actually kind of half expecting uh, hangman to actually join the inner circle in this like in the back of my mind i thought that that was a very good possibility but i guess they you know you, you really can't do that until those two drop the straps but i thought it was a fam- fantastic match it had great action great spots it had some comedy good wrestling it had brutality I mean, what more could you really have asked for a cinematic match where they had to use an entire football stadium to as their playground? Uh, what were some of your favorite and least favorite parts of it? And you ain't got to go into great I detail. Didn't, I didn't really have many in terms of least favorite. Um, I, I know I watched it a little bit out of order because uh, I was trying to catch up to the group. So I immediately jumped to certain ones and then went back and kind of Uh, watched it in its entirety there was nothing that i can really say stood out that was just like oh you know it may have been a move or a spot or two i I didn't particularly care for but i thought as a whole really great pay-per-view so the least favorite uh for the match i just gotta go real quick one I, i don't understand why they had the ring uh, they didn't spend very much time in there. It was a you know stadium stampede. I, I don't really know other than just optics why they even had the ring, uh, you know, in the middle of the field. And then I, I really did not like the the Matt Hardy pull bit. I thought that was okay. Yes, yes, lame. <laughs> yes, I, I, bad. yes. Okay, yes, totally. You know. And it's like, what is this? Is why he's not elite, right? You know what I mean? It's like he doesn't belong with those guys. Those guys are cool. Matt Hardy is not cool. He's weird, right? <laughs> uh, but some of the things I loved about this match, I, I love just how athletic so many guys. I mean, whether it be a you know, uh, you know, jumping off of a goal post. Or uh, I, I love the you know, and you talked about joining the inner circle. I actually thought the same thing with Hangman. They did kind of tease it, though, with, with the moment with Hager. Oh, they yeah. had the drink, drink, yes. Before Omega showed up. And, you know, it was kind of like, now, wait a minute, what's going on here? Because he goes, do you want to fight or do you want to drink? And Hager's like, I, I want to drink. drink. Yeah, that was, I uh, like that. I thought, I, I thought that was great. And uh, the, the horse was really cool, chasing Sammy with, with he, his, uh, thing. you know, recent injuries with the carts. Oh, you, you, you got to call him out again. You got to call him out again. Hey, well, once again, it's like, dude, don't be Rick and Stark. Zigzag, dude. Don't run in a straight line. We taught you this. Uh, and one more thing on the Sammy, you know, selling. He's going to kill himself if he takes a twist of fate one more time. Oh my God. Have you ever oh seen anybody take a twist of fate like that? Three of them. It reminds me of, you know, back when Jake had DDT King Kong Bundy and it's like Bundy was just too big of a person to be able to kind of do the flat on his face. And Bundy looked like he literally landed straight on his head where he took all of that right on his neck. Sammy does look like he's going to frighten me with that. Like he's really going to break his neck on that. The only thing I will say that worries me about Sammy with that is, you know, Shawn Michaels was a guy that got away with it because of his greatness. But there's people that, you know, be like, we'll go back and look at his match against Hogan in in the mid two thousands. And it's like, he's definitely overselling on purpose. I just hope he didn't turn into a Dolph Ziggler Mm. because if you sell too well, and you almost oversell, they're going to be like, okay, we're just always going to have this guy losing because he makes other guys look good. Mm. And he's definitely uh, deserves more. I, I, I still stick by what I say. Um, within a year, 
um, I can see Sammy Guevara probably with that television title. I hope so. Uh, but overall, we both really enjoyed this pay-per-view. AEW, you know, keep up the good work. You're giving us a lot of content. I'm really looking forward to the episode tonight, which honestly, outside of maybe, you know, Mania and the night after, uh, I can't really say. Because even this pay-per-view, I, I kind of made the decision last minute that I was going to get it live and not try to, you know, kind of copyright it uh, illegally a day late. Uh, but I'm really glad that I did and uh, excited to see where it goes tonight. Totally. All right. So NXT, we're not going to go over a lot of stuff on NXT because they're going to have an episode tonight. Uh, there's two things that I, I wrote down from this week's. What are they doing? Drake Maverick. He just keeps winning. Is this turning into the biggest swerve WWE has tried to pull in a long time? Because if not, I have no idea what they're doing. Do you, do you understand what's going on it, here? It has to be a swerve. And all things considered, you know, and um, we'll touch on it, uh, or at least I'll bring it up for uh, real quickly when it comes to SmackDown, yeah. that, you know, you play something like this, and this is like slow playing uh, Texas Hold'em hand, like to the nth degree, if they're really doing that just so that, you know, he's the guy to kind of go down to Jordan Devlin when he can come back and defend the cruiserweight championship. If not, I, I totally don't understand because if they do, it's like, you're going to be burying uh, Kushida, which really would make zero sense as well as uh, Tony Atlas, uh, Jake Atlas. Sorry. <laughs> and one thing we learned from the Daniel Bryan eventual run, which ended up being a masterpiece we don't like being teased. You know, when, when they had the moment at SummerSlam where he finally beat Cena, Cena, then they had the briefcase, you know, immediately, fans were pissed. Mm. Uh, and and I feel like that now people are actually trying to get behind Drake, and it's just like if it ends up, you know, especially if it's a bad way that they send him out, I, I just – I almost at this point hope that they have resigned him quietly. He is going to win this tournament. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Uh, the other big thing, because I'm really excited mm -hmm. about this, and again, kudos to NXT, uh, the women's division. You know, we talked about it. We we talked about how we were a little disappointed. They moved up Bianca, especially considering they're not even using her. Uh, but they have set up a triple threat for In Your House. It's going to be Charlotte, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shira. Is this just a, a setup for Charlotte to lose a title, not one-on-one, -on -one, though? I do believe so, and, you know, we did kind of feel that that's how it was going to happen because outside of Rhea, um, who could viably tell the story that they could defeat Charlotte on, in a one-on-one. -on -one. And this is also a way where I think it's finally time for the Io Shirai era. Um, they've kind of left her on the back burner for a little bit as she's been on the rise. Wow. I, I think it's, I think that they're going to actually skip right into the Io Shirai. Uh, Rhea's already been uh, established from the last pretty much half year plus change. I think that, I think that that's, which way they're going to go. But again, um, it's going to be where Charlotte still looks strong, but doesn't take the lo the physical loss. So two things there. One, we're going to have to have RC back on the show. If Charlotte ends up losing the belt and a triple threat and not being involved in the finish, because I'll take, I will go back to that. I'll a take that rash decision, <laughs> trash decision to have Rhea beat her because who did she build up? What did she do? Uh -huh. Nothing. Uh, the second thing is I don't think Rhea is established. I mean, she, she, yeah, on NXT, but she was then the NXT champ who called out Charlotte and lost on the grandest stage of them all. I think she really needs this win because if not, I think then she becomes a woman that's going to kind of get forgotten. I can see how I can see how that uh, would play out, but at the same time, um, it would be a way for her to go on and feud with EO at least through the summer, trying to wrest that title back from her. Maybe he'll he'll turn possible, but then again, it, then again, it wouldn't make, it wouldn't make sense though because EO had just had hers less than a year ago and is now into the persona that she is. So I, I'm not really sure. This is one where I'm kind of lost to be quite honest, but it's, I'm interested. Oh yeah. It's, again, oh, yeah. it's, it's going to be, 
So we'll move on to SmackDown. Charlotte is just involved in everything <laughs> right now. Uh, Bailey went over about as clean as you can against Charlotte. Uh, this was with telling Sasha before the match she did not want her to accompany her to ringside. Uh, this was a really good match. It reminded me how good Bailey is. I'm assuming that this is, you know, all part of the plan. I think Bailey's going to, you know, start to get more confident and more cocky. And then that way they're going to try to make sure it's understood that Sasha is a face and is, you know, turning against her, not because she's been taunted by Charlotte, but instead the Charlotte was just, you know, laying some breadcrumbs for down the road. I'm also starting to think they really just want this to happen in front of a live crowd. Uh, what what did you think about that match, the the slow burn? Any of um, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's like we're we're talking about they they won't push any further chips in. They're just going to keep checking and checking and checking and checking <laughs> until you know. No, it's more like folding at this point. They're just folding pre-flop, <laughs> not even checking. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I was expecting a, a, a little something more, and I was like, okay, so Bailey tells her to sit still, and it only yep. agitated her for, like, two seconds, but then she was on with it, but then didn't, like, come out to a sit. I, I, I don't know, but it's like, ugh, come on. I, I would have bet my life when they had that, you know, backstage segment that Sasha was going to come out and play a role uh-huh. in the uh-huh. finish one way or the other. And it was just weird not to have her mm-hmm. at all. But again, uh, I'm going to hold judgment because I've been told that don't be impatient. Uh, the IC tur- tournament is now down to four. We know that Daniel Bryan and Elias had qualified the week before this week, AJ Styles, who <laughs> I guess was traded <laughs> WWE. <laughs> I don't, I don't get them. Like, I think this kind of stuff is good, but the way they execute it is terrible. Yeah. Like, it's terrible. It should be a big deal, not something said in the middle of a match. Uh, he defeated Shinsuke, and honestly, I thought a match that was better than their Mania match because uh, they didn't have all that low blow stuff and the respect. They just let him wrestle, mm-hmm. which is like, that's what those dudes yeah. do. Uh, and then Jeff Hardy also defeated Sheamus in what was a really good uh, other semifinal match that closed the show, both of them were about 15 minutes long. So, you know, with commercials, 10, 11 minute matches, that's not, you know, too short for a, a regular show like SmackDown or Raw. You know, we discussed last week Elias winning. I, we both kind of, you know, said, well, with Daniel Bryan. But now, you know, his chances aren't great. But now looking at it, when you got Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, and Elias, is. I mean, there's zero chance Elias wins this thing now, right? It seems like it, but who knows? Maybe they're finally in line with with really putting them up. Um, we totally are about the prestige of the Intercontinental title. Uh, Daniel Bryan talked about returning the heavy prestige to the title, and you know, we're old school guys, so yes, that's what kind of we get off on for for our for our title holders. Let let this mean something. And I think there's a slim chance. Unfortunately, it's maybe um, it might be a snowball's chance in hell, though. <laughs> I personally think it's a zero percent chance, which I honestly thought it was the minute Daniel Bryan had that promo <laughs> after he won his. But I'm going to be pissed if it is, because if we are this close to an AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan for the new IC champ. <laughs> And it's all about building the title back especially, up. Especially it. after the match that AJ and Shinsuke just had. Absolutely. So I hope that's the direction we're moving. Uh, Either way, we're going to get two really good absolutely. matches. Absolutely. Um, oh, speaking of um, this, I here's a best, better part than any to push this in, is Drew Gulak actually was um, re-signed just this week. So, you know, even though he had lost to Daniel and, you know, they kind of played that story, he's kind of back and they didn't let that go too far. And hopefully that means that this might be the turn where they start bringing some of uh, some of the release superstars back as well. I hope so for obviously all of their livelihoods. Um, also, I'm curious just to see if he ended up caving because and again, this is all reports, but from what I read 
he was his contract expired because he wanted a raise. WWE said, "Look, we'll resign you for what you're making. We're not giving anybody a raise right now." I'm curious to see if he got a raise or if he came back for what he had. maybe you know. I don't know how their contracts work or if it's anything like uh, with a professional athletes. Maybe there's bonuses in there for certain things. I don't know. Okay. All right. So the last part we're going to talk about on SmackDown, and then we just got a few things on Raw. I'm so disappointed in this storyline they're moving to with Braun Strowman. I hate it. They're going to a handicap match at the next pay-per-view. Strowman versus Miz and Morrison. Uh, if if this leads to Miz or Morrison winning the title, I will recorrect my stance. But this is if this is just to put Strowman over. I just there there's this is lazy booking. There's other ways to make a champion look vulnerable. You do that in storytelling. I don't understand handicap matches. It puts Miz and Morrison down when Strowman obviously beats him. It's like, God, this, these guys can't even beat him two on one. Are you – am I being too hard on no, this No, no, I don't think so. Um, I totally agree with you because I, I didn't understand the sense of it unless they're actually going to take the title off of him, which would be upsetting, but it would make more sense. And maybe it would be uh, that that happens for Otis to cash in. I don't know. And and even that would still be, mm, how are are we, the fans, going to take that? But, you know, I don't know. Um, I just hope it isn't something where it's, just Braun cleanly running over this these two guys. Yeah, because you could have this match with just the Miz or Morrison had the other one involved heavily in right. the match. I mean, that, that would make more sense with a face champion and a heel defender. But again, uh, if, and, and also let me say, if it's Morrison that wins the title, I will again say it was a stupid decision. If it's the Miz, I, I'm always down that for the Miz to get whatever gold he wants because uh, he's awesome. Uh, let's move on to Raw real quick, and then we actually, I think, got through all this stuff. Holy crap. So, Apollo Cruz is your new U.S. champion after <sighs> defeating Andrade. I hate to say mm. this because we've talked about it, but I don't know why I should care about this. I, I, I've said for weeks that I know Apollo Cruz can go in the ring. They really haven't given me anything on the mic or with his, you know, persona to get me behind this championship push other than he was injured by Andrada. He came back, regained the title, you know, or excuse me, won the title. Should I care about this? No. No. Um, and and I'm sorry. Congratulations, Apollo. I mean, you've been you've been Absolutely. working hard and you did put in a, a pretty good match and in this run that you've had with Andrade. Yes. You know, congratulations to that. Should we care? No. Um, like I was just saying earlier, you and I care about prestige. And the one thing that I uh, had started to think about was what have they really done with the U S title in the last year? Whereas for the short spell that- shit since John Cena. Uh, yeah. For the short spell that it was AJ Styles, it made sense. Oh, that's fair. But then it didn't make sense because they put it on Ricochet just to give it back to AJ. And then that's where they lost me because it's like, come on. Like, you know, the you we look at this. Number one, um, I also looked up because, you know um, – especially lately with the the new TNT title. I'm uh, one of those guys who really gets revved up on what belts look like. Can we please get a U.S. title facelift? It's been the same title since 2003. I actually wound up uh, looking up something, and Uncle Dave had uh, hinted back in December that there was a completed U.S. title, and there has not been a presented new U.S. title. It needs to be updated like all the rest, where you can have your personalized face plates, but give us a really cool design. The U.S. title, most people won't even know how prestigious that thing actually used to be. And maybe I'm just going too far off on this. And I don't know what in the world they're going to do with it with Apollo Crews. 
because I don't know how in the world you're going to start bringing prestige back to this. I don't think you're going too far about the title. It's terrible. Uh, they need to go back to, in my opinion, the, yes, take yes. a page out of their own playbook. Yes. I mean, that was a good-looking belt. The I, old IC belt looked good. They brought it back. It kind of got that title moving. And the, I, People discussing that was actually the Cody storyline. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, I got worked up about that real quickly. <laughs> no, you're good. And I, and I will say, too, one more thing is just that I agree with what you're saying about, you know, not even so much prestige, but just putting guys over. You look at AEW, they have most of these younger guys going against older guys. Uh, you know, Jungle Boy took on Jericho. I guess now it's been six, five, six months ago. Uh, I don't understand why you wouldn't put a veteran like Rey Mysterio, who I know technically has something going on, but nothing too interesting, or somebody like that. Make him the U.S. champ. Then let him fight all these guys that we're just getting to know, like Apollo Cruz, Andrade, Humberto, even Aleister Black, Buddy Murphy. Eventually, when one of them beats him, it's a big deal. But if you have two young guys constantly facing each other, especially when neither one of them can talk or that interesting, it's not doing anybody any favors. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really like both Andrade and Apollo Cruz in the ring, but I don't care about either one of them uh, yes. other than just what they do in the ring. Right. Uh, so one guy that I do care a lot about uh, is Seth Rollins Bravo. right now. Bravo. I'm telling you, best wrestler in the world. Best wrestler uh, in the world. I've been saying mm, it for almost mm. a month. Best wrestler in the world. Uh he cut a promo after Garza and Murphy defeated Humberto and Alistair Black. It was amazing. He had, obviously, Garza and Murphy holding Humberto where Alistair was helpless in the middle of the ring, saying that Rey Mysterio was injured for the greater good. I mean, he is selling this so great. On top of his game. It's so great. Uh, told Alistair Black that if he interferes, he would do the same to Humberto. Uh, I loved it. it. It's like a diehard villain. I mean, that's that's it's just it's great. I mean, Seth is on top of his game. Ironically, I get the feeling that this is all about Alistair Black being in Seth's crosshairs, and I don't mean for the guy he wants to beat up. I think he wants him to be his prized disciple at least the one he covets. Do you get this feeling as well? Or are they just trying to build up Alistair by putting the uh, With the way that you say that, and especially with the way that Seth is now, and we're going to touch on it momentarily, how he's uh, building his little following now, I could see how that... He needs an enforcer. I can see how that goes. And yeah, Alistair Black would be the gym totally. And then, oh... Oh, and then U.S. title on Alistair Black and let him rough shot through the division. I've read – yeah, I've read a few places that this could be, you know, sort of an evolution-type deal. And if you, you know, take away the Ric Flair, you put Seth Rollins in the Triple H – I think it's safe to say that with, you know, Black, he would, you know, potentially be the Batista. Uh, and he needs this opportunity. He, out of honestly, any oh, yeah. of those guys, I think has the best chance of being a star, but he needs this. And it would be huge for him to be with Seth Rollins, even if it's not for a long extended period. Yeah, no, I, I could see that going in with the way that they've been playing and especially considering Alistair Black has been uh, – He's been the central figure around his stable. I mean, if it wasn't for the Alistair Black-Buddy Murphy feud, Buddy Murphy would never have got to Seth Rollins anyway. Exactly. And I could just see Seth, like, masterly tying this all together. You know, that you've been the one I've been after all along. Um, before uh, we get to before so, we get to that last part, can we yeah, please uh, – uh, I just want to add on adding the Austin Theory to his stable – He's actually given me interest in Austin Theory now uh, with the way that uh, he just took him on. For a moment, I didn't know if it was uh, Buddy Murphy kind of looking with dissent as he was welcoming him in. But now both gentlemen kind of have their disciple thing going with the way they clasp their hands. That's different, but you can tell they both kind of have the thing going. I'm very excited for how they're going to play this out. 
this is good for everybody involved. We said this, you know, what, two weeks ago when we first discussed it. This is going to be great. And they need to do more of this stuff. This is why stables are important, especially if you put somebody like Seth Rollins or, you know, even when Roman Reigns returns, uh, Roman Reigns, because not only do they learn from them, you know, in the ring and obviously on TV, they obviously then spend so much time with them off, you know, going city to city when hopefully they get back touring. And uh, this is great for all of these guys. Uh, I'm not going to discuss the Street Profits, Viking nope. Raiders. Because no. I just I'm so Highly. disappointed, so disappointed, and then to have them going with that trash oh. that they've oh. been doing these segments, and then to have them lose uh, to Bobby Lashley and MVP to close oh. the show on Raw just made me sick. And I've talked about you know for months how I thought Bobby Lashley was the the most underused guy on the roster. He's this monster. I'm thrilled that they're building him up, but it is such lazy booking to then put down a tag team that honestly, so many people are high on. They actually have personality. They actually do care about a lot of work into these guys. Exactly. And uh, what's going to really bother me. And I feel like lastly that they're doing all this just to have them get fed to drew. Um, That's my biggest problem with it. I hope that's not what it is. But let's forget the fact that, you know, I hate them putting over, you know, MVP and Lashley over the tag division to build up Lashley. But this is where we are. Do you think Lashley has any realistic chance to win the world title for McIntyre? No, quite honestly, I don't. What I do pray it does do, especially with the way um, Drew is kind of the guy right now who's kind of breaking a lot of the usual habits and you know like you had spoken about weeks ago um he's the guy who will specifically speak right to us right to the camera but not just that he's really trying to push things along with everyone he's become really a really great talker like he's been really smooth and the way he's challenged He's got a he swagger. Does. Oh my God. He's got a fantastic swagger. Uh, I, I think even after he winds up dropping the title, he's going to be a force for the, the you know, years to come as long as they keep him, keep his contract uh, righteous. I love the fact that he keeps begging Lashley for a fight. Come in here and let's get it on now. You know, you, you we're going to have a match, but I, I want to pay. I want to taste. And in saying that he wants to see the real Lashley, I hope we do get to see it with the matches that Drew has had in his championship matches and being on Raw pretty much every week. I'm excited to see the type of match that he gives us with Bobby Lashley, and hopefully this elevates Bobby Lashley at least to the point where we're looking at him more than just a guy that we can occasionally throw a mid-card title on. I agree with all of that. I, I think that I hope they continue to use Drew more as sort of the, you know, not a heel, not a face, more just a badass. I, I really like that version of Drew, and I feel like they're slowly moving him towards a true face. And it's like the reason the crowd was getting behind Drew was because he was different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he was a guy that just wanted to fight. And like everybody, you know, if you're a big badass like Drew McIntyre, it makes sense. It's like, yeah, I think I'm the baddest dude here. And it's like, I'm not going to pick on you because you're good or bad. I'm going to pick on you because you started something with me. And it's like, from that point, I'm going to show you I'm the alpha male. We just watched The Last Dance. Like, it's a perfect storyline with right now. Uh, I actually hope this does lead to Lashley winning the belt and then McIntyre winning it back. Because I think that that would actually mean more to Lashley than it would to McIntyre retaining it to this feud. I I can understand that. Uh, uh because he, he's never won the world title. I know he had the ECW world title. But he's never had the world heavyweight or the WWE. Uh, no, no, he hasn't. And I love the fact that um, right now they are using MVP to phase Lana out. And that Lana is only, I do apologize for the lawnmower. Um, I love the fact that they're phasing Lana out and that she's only left to the throwing the tantrum. I couldn't quite honestly do with my raws without that part, 
But the fact that he has now built a partnership and with the way he's done it, I absolutely love what they're doing with him and Bobby Lashley. You know, I, I'm not all that familiar with MVP from before because I wasn't uh, in the loop at the time. But he's playing this great. And the fact that he's almost bringing a manager back in WWE is what's missing. You know, you only have Zelina Vega who's really doing it uh, well as a manager. MVP, what he's doing with Bobby Lashley right now, I'm really into. And I do hope that what you said is accurate. I would love to see Bobby Lashley with the gold around his waist, even if it's only for two weeks. I'm I'm with you. And, you know, it's what we talked about. What made Brock great is Heyman because Brock can't do it on his own alone. I feel like Lashley is the same kind of guy, obviously not nearly as talented or must see, but he's 75, 80% of it. And MVP is a perfect choice to kind of be his mouthpiece. He's actually had success in WWE. Uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here. Did you see the picture that Cody and John Moxley posted on Twitter? I did not. Okay, so one year ago today, at this pay-per-view, they signed Moxley. I believe he had his first match. And Cody and Moxley took a picture shooting the bird at the camera, mm-hmm. right? Well, not surprisingly, after the pay-per-view on a Saturday, they took a picture with their titles shooting a finger at the, the camera. It was a uh, pretty cool full circle moment for those. Two oh, guys. wow. Um, as you're talking about it, I'm actually trying to look for it because I do want to see this. That's fantastic though, because <clears throat> like you and I have been saying, Cody has been the workhorse. He has not been just uh, an executive. He has been a, GM slash player and he's doing a great job on both ends. So the fact that um, he not only played the, I can't win the world title, but did bring to fruition what we had said about the necessity of needing the TNT title. Bravo. And it's going to mean more to him than anybody. That's why, again, it makes all the sense in the world to have that guy be your champion, not only for who he is, but the fact that that title is going to mean everything to his character because that's the highest right now he can Yeah, get. totally. Um, totally excited for what they're going to do with all of this stuff. Um, I don't know. Uh, for what, the people who, that are naysayers about AEW, or if you're, if you're one of those WWE marks, please open open your mind get a little more uh world view and take in some other stuff look up some good old njpw look up some indie stuff please watch a month of aew i promise you you'll find something that you're gonna enjoy in there and i will also say don't then turn into somebody who everything aw or aw does is awesome and everything wwe is bad you need to take it at face value, and as RC says, don't always look at it from the lens of what I wanted or what mm-hmm. I would do, but what makes sense and what is going to get people over because that's what's going to make it more entertaining. One last thing, because I've, I've already said that twice. Did you get to catch up on the last uh, – Oh, no, sir. Uh, I've had a one hell of a – All right. That, you have to watch it before the AEW NXT because I want to talk about it. It's really good. The third episode was also great. Uh, Undertaker actually has a part where he says he admires Sean for being able to know I when saw to that walk highlight. Away, walk away and, and then uh, stay right. away. Uh, uh, it's it's a lot more real than I thought it was going to be. It's very good. That part did interest me. So yes, I, I will do. I will do myself a favor and start catching up. I promise you, you will. Love I will it. start catching up. All right. Do you want to uh, play? Uh, just my it? usual. Um, Companies looking to put 20,000 families in 20,000 homes in 2020. Uh, you have any problems with your credit report, you want to get your credit score right, get at me, Ron L. Tinsley, on Facebook, on Instagram, harvestcreditors.com. Let's chat. Uh, and I just want to, again, before we uh, finish this podcast, remind that you need to uh, the IB Sports podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe to it. 
We'd also love you to rate and review this network. You can follow Ivy Sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, RC put out on the podcast feed with Joe Matz, who is one of the smartest people in our group, a great basketball uh, podcast, about an hour and 15 minutes. They discuss all kinds of topics. It's wonderful. Myself and Alan did a last dance recap uh, last week. We talked about the Tiger Phil match, which, again, I gave the correct pick on that one, which was the lock of the week. And we will be back soon because uh, there's golf coming in like two weeks. It sounds like basketball is starting to stir. NFL and college is moving right along. And as soon as sports are back, I promise you, me and Alan will be back each week giving you our favorite picks. But uh, once again, we want to apologize for not having a podcast in the last week. Uh, you know, me and Ron, unfortunately, have a day job, so it is what it is. But we will be back with the AEW and NXT podcast uh, later this week. And then, obviously, we'll do Raw and SmackDown sometime after next Monday. But for myself and Ron one L, thing, the Team Turnbuckle One last podcast, thing. I'm sorry. I just yeah, wanted ahead, to buddy. shout out the, the Team Turnbuckle podcast group for uh, content Absolutely. that you guys are putting in there. Like you said, Joe Matz, uh, Jason Gilmartin, um, all the conversations that we're having on these threads. You guys are freaking awesome and keep that up. Although I do think it's a conspiracy from <laughs> RC to get my ranking down. Because I was all the way up Dude, to I was, four I was, in the I, group. I was 23 last now. month. And I dropped out of the top 50. And I'm out of the top I dropped out of the top 50. So, uh, RC, if that was your plan, kudos. If not, we're still enjoying the uh, <laughs> Team Term Circle Wrestling Podcast Group. If you listen to this and you do want to join and you're not on there, hit, hit us up. Like you can find us on the, the IB Sports Group. But again, for Keith Fleming, Ron L. Tinsley, the Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast on the IB Sports uh, Podcast Network. And we will catch you this weekend after we watch a AEW and NXT shows tonight that I am excited totally. about both of them.